voices, big issues. Join us as we explore the real power of youth rising. Youth rising. Youth rising. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. Hey, this is Youth Rising by NCS, where young people raise their voices to make a positive difference together. We're the podcast for young people, made by young people. And this season, we've been exploring the issues that are most important to our generation. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. I'm Muslim Mahmoud, and in this week's special episode, we're joined by two-thirds of the Receipts podcast, Mamacita Milena Sanchez, and just call her Audrey. So it's your girl, Toliti. Audrey, formerly known as Ghana's Finest. Your Mamacita Milena Sanchez. I wonder what the trend will be there. Yeah. I, I just don't want the body to be a trend. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? That, that, that's, that's just that do whatever you want to do. Let's change our clothes. Like... Interchangeable things like clothes, yeah, hair, eyebrows. These all things can be switched yeah. up. But then like, are you going to be reverse it? People keep forgetting that whilst you're in a, rela- in a relationship, you look towards the future. And if you want to, if you see yourself with this person, that means you end up having kids with them. Mm-hmm. So now my kids, exactly. what kind of thing are you going to portray to them? The Receipts podcast tackles everything from race and religion to everyday life experiences. So, we thought what better people to talk about all things adulting how to navigate relationships, questions about jobs and careers, and some insights from your podcast big sisters on the things they wish they knew then. Contributing editor and die-hard fan of the Receipts podcast, CJ, ran a question and answer session with Audrey and Milena based on what you wanted to know. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. Audrey and Milena, welcome to the Youth Rising podcast. I'm such a big fan of yours, been listening for ages. Hey! Hi! Today we have two-thirds of the Receipts podcast with us. Unfortunately, Toddy couldn't make it, but it's such a delight to have you here. To many young people, young black women in particular, you three are like big sisters. I know for sure you guys are like mine. Aww, thanks, hon. And so today I'm going to have a chat with you about adulting, how to be a grown-up, how we can mature with our friendships and relationships, and just genuinely ask you about what advice you'd give to your younger selves so many of our listeners were as excited to have you on the show as I am um, so I went to our social media channels to ask them what questions they'd like to ask you we had a bunch of responses that we've broken down into three categories jobs and careers miscellaneous adulting and to begin with friendships and relationships so firstly with friendships and relationships how do you keep the friendship going as you all move away from each other I think it's just like communication to be fair yeah communicating with somebody and also letting them know that hey if we don't speak for a week it doesn't mean that we're not friends it just means life is happening yeah but like making that clear yeah I agree I definitely think communication and I also think that like I don't know when you're young you don't really think about it you kind of just crack on with things and I think like making the effort and stuff that's stuff that comes as you get older because you are more empathetic and you're more aware of people's feelings and you're more aware of the fact that like, oh, I haven't checked in on this person. When I left to go to uni, a lot of my friends that I grew up with, I wasn't really thinking about them when I went to uni. Like, I know that sounds really mad, but I wasn't. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I need to check in on my friends. I kind of just let those friendships fall by the wayside. Now that I'm older, 
and people are going through different phases of their lives. Like some people are married with children and some people are like, you know, they moved countries for jobs and stuff. Now I'm older, I'm more conscious of, I need to make a conscious effort to communicate. Mm. I need to do, Mm. you know, make sure that you keep the friendship nurtured and stuff. But I think it's something that comes with age, but yeah, hundred percent like communication. Like you've got to keep it fresh, just like a relationship. You've got to keep friendships fresh as well. I mean, actually something that you guys taught me was like being intentional in like, whether it's like relationships or friendships. And I feel like that's really important. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to keep a friendship alive, like just make the efforts to sort of I think friendships are as hard, if not harder than relationships, I think. Because you can't just sex it away. Like, Yeah, you you (laughs) can't just sex it away. That's why. How do you manage friendships with like different groups as you get older, friends from school, uni, work? This is something I struggle with all the time. Like my birthday's coming up like really soon. And I'm just like, how am I going to get all my friendship groups now at this point in my life to mingle around the table? Like it's just awkward. I don't know what to do. Is it though? Because they all have something in common and that's you. Oh, so they can just talk about me the whole evening. Yeah, exactly. No, not only just talk (laughs) about you, but... If you like them, then there must be some form of compatibility between the groups. It doesn't mean that I have to bring you all out every single weekend at the same time. It just means, hey, I've got my birthday. I want you all to be there. And I'm sure they'll all get along. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I feel like the common denominator is you, 100%. And like we're all grown now. Like We all know how to have small talk. We all know how to mingle. We all know how to like socialise for one night only you know so I think that you're probably more worried about it than yeah. you need to be like people always find things to talk about there's always something to do and if you are really worried because sometimes our friendship groups are quite different then maybe you can have like an icebreaker or you can have a game just to like warm people up like I've been to dinners where people are like everyone go around the table and say your name and say a fun fact about you and it just kind of just like lightens the mood so you yep, can definitely yeah so you can try something like that but I'm really lucky like all my friends are like one now and I think it's because when we went on my hen do all 22 of us they had no (laughs) choice (laughs) but to get on and we've kind of like maintained the friendship so after the holiday we kept the group chat alive and everyone's really cool but that's I realized that's really unique yeah but it's not by force Mm. I don't think you you don't have to do that at all like I get why people want to keep it separate I feel like it is quite nice though because I used to be one of those people that like to sort of be like no like these are my friends here and then my friends there but then I feel like it is really nice to be able to be like we're all friends, like, let's just be friends and, like, good vibes sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. How do you know when to have a friendship breakup? Should you stop being friends with someone if you've got differences or, like, certain behaviours that are red lines? Like, what do you think is forgivable and breakupable? I just think if that friendship is just bringing you down, if it's draining you, not like you're not necessarily getting anything from it, but if it's just, yeah, not serving you anymore. I think that's enough for you to be like, hey, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I feel like you know in your heart of hearts, like sometimes something massive doesn't have to have happened. Like sometimes you do genuinely just grow apart. And I feel like you make an effort for the things you want to make effort for. So if you're getting to a point where you just genuinely can't be bothered anymore, maybe it's time to just, yeah, call it quits. Like, you know, I had a friendship breakup recently and I proper had to like, self-reflect and be like am I the problem and I also had to ask Mm -hmm. myself okay this friend has done this but would I give a man another chance you know because we forgive men for so much things or just our our romantic relationships whoever you choose to date in our romantic relationships like we give those grace that sometimes we don't give our friends and I really had to check myself Mm -hmm. and be like yeah but this person's done this 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 and you forgave them so why can't you forgive the friend but then when I actually reflected I was like yeah no too much has happened now. My boundaries have been crossed. 
and yeah, it's yeah. enough I'm tired and I like when you when you start to feel anxious around someone like Meleda was saying I think yeah that's when it's time to yeah hang it up flat screen yeah going back to what you said Audrey on boundaries in like friendships and stuff how do you think you set boundaries in friendships and then relationships as well I think do you know what I feel like with friendships a lot of the time you don't necessarily have to sit the person down and be like I don't agree with this this that and the third I feel like scenarios kind of crop up in life that allow you to showcase that without actually having to say it so your friend Mm -hmm. should know like who you are as a person and like kind of like what your moral compass is and I think you naturally get an idea of what people's boundaries are and sometimes you do have to tell them because sometimes it's like in real time like something happens in real time and they might not know you have to like nip it in the bud but generally Mm -hmm. again I think everything boils down to communication really like if something occurs I think nipping it in the bud there and then is a really good way of letting people know your boundaries which is something that I've not been good at I'm more the kind of person that holds things in and then explodes later but I've realized that that doesn't work because when I'm now trying to address you a year later you're like what the hell are you talking about like what so Mm -hmm. I think that like checking things in real time I think that's a really really good way because then it's you've said it you move and you move on as opposed to like letting it fester yeah and I think space really allows that kind of imagination of yours to run wild Mm. so within that imagination there's a whole load of assumptions there's a whole load of oh did she mean this and then it's just too much which is why I think it's very very important like just talking about it straight away that way you're not making up all of these scenarios in your head that are probably nowhere near true when you guys like have problems with people do you prefer to like text about it or talk face to face this is a good question you know I'm not gonna lie because sometimes I feel like texting is better because you have all your points you're not getting interrupted you're not getting sidetracked but then also I think you got to be careful because the person that's receiving that could misconstrue your tone or what it is that you're trying to say so that's why I kind of prefer doing notes and then voice noting so you can Mm. hear my tone I've never thought of doing that actually but then I'll say everything that I need to say that's exactly what I do I'm a writer like I would prefer to text like when people are like oh you have to do it face to face I'm like, but why? Why did what? Who said that you have to do it face to face? Like, who, who said that texting it and writing it isn't as effective? I definitely agree with the tone thing, though, a hundred percent. Because if there is already tension in the air and now you're writing this long thing the person is going to internalize it in a negative way as opposed mm. to when they hear your voice and you can say it in a calm, collected. So I definitely get it. So I agree. Like recently, I had to like check someone and I wrote a really, really long thing. But I was angry, so I wanted the tone to be angry, so I didn't really care how they interpreted mm-hmm. it. And then, again, I sent a voice note, and I followed it up with my voice. Um, so I, I don't agree. Like, I think that people should communicate the best way they know how. And if you're the kind of person that you feel like you can get it off better by writing, then you should do that. Like, I, yeah, I don't think it has to be face-to-face at all, or on the phone or anything like that. Because in my recent friendship breakup, I text them as well. And they were like, I just think it's so disrespectful that you're texting me after all the years that we've been friends. And it made me feel bad. But like Audrey said, who said that there's like a rule 101 of breaking up with your friend? Yeah, I agree. I think that's just an excuse when people say that just to, to basically like derail what you're saying. 
Because now yeah. the whole thing is about how you said it as opposed to what I said. It's like, hang on, at the end of the day, regardless of whether I said it or wrote it, the message, did you not receive it? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I agree. What advice would you give for people who have never asked someone out before or people who like people and want to date them, but they just don't know how? Just go and ask them. You've got nothing to lose. If they say no, you're going to still be single. And if you say yes, you'll get a date. True. <laughs> very, very yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. I just like, just do it. Again, if you're scared, write it, slide in their DMs. Like, I, I would do it. I would do it. I would, do you know what I would do? Like, I would, because, okay, it depends on who the person is. Because if you've got some sort of rapport with the person, then, like, you know, you can do little things. Like, I don't think I would go up to a random stranger that I just saw and I thought, oh, he's nice and go ask him out. I'm not going to lie to you, I wouldn't do that. But if it's someone that I've got a rapport with and there's like, maybe we follow each other on socials or something, I would just start communicating with them more, just putting some feelers out there and then I would go in for the kill. But I agree with Milena, like you have to just shoot your shot because what's worse? Like them saying no or you sitting around wondering what if. I would rather have a straight answer than be wondering what if personally. I feel like there's been situations before when like I was really good friends with someone and sort of like wanted it to be more and I've just been like you know you love me like just admit it sort of thing and like just play it coy but then I've also been <laughs> in situations where I've like wanted to write on a piece of paper like do you want to go out with me and then like yes no kind of thing I feel like that would be really cute and then That's obviously cute. like tick That's yes. That's so 90s I love that. That's like taking it back. You know yeah. when you used to have like the two little boxes and you put Y and N? Yeah. Yeah, literally. I love that for us. What would you guys say is like a good first date um, activity? Audrey hates activity. I feel like it's really fun to do activities. An activity for me is going out to eat. That's an activity. Honestly, I want to go to dinner. I want to go for drinks. I want to look cute. I don't want to be running around with a bat. I don't want to have to wear a helmet. I don't want to have to change my shoes. I don't want to have to wear overalls. Like, I just want to be cute. I want you to see, like, visually my best. And Mm. I feel like a dinner date or drinks, like, you can do that. Like, if we go bowling, I've got to go put those clown shoes on. Like, that ain't it for me. I'm sorry. No, you actually don't. Yeah, you don't anymore, to be fair. Yeah. Really? But I don't want to wear trainers on a first date. Oh, fair enough. I don't want to wear trainers on a first date. I want to wear heels and I want to be cute. I love activities for a first date. I love doing go a. Like, let's do golf, let's Don't do bowling. Oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, that one kind of... I just kinda... want to see the fun side of you. I, I mean, I do like dinners, but I also find them quite awkward for a first date because now I have to worry about how I'm eating and what it is that I'm going to order because more times, I'm not somebody that's been to a lot of places, so my pronunciation is a bit mad. So, yeah, I just want to have fun. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. So moving on to jobs and careers, what did you guys want to be when you grew up? I remember my first memory. I wanted to be a fashion designer really young. And do you know what? Because I'm really good at art, yeah? So I used to, like, draw designs all the time. And my grandma, because my grandma's always been, like, she's been a seamstress, a dressmaker her whole life. And she's always been into fashion. Like, my nan is really glamorous. And so I drew this design of this dress and my nan still has it on her fridge to this day. Like, honestly, she's had that for like 25 years or something stupid like that. Maybe even 30. Yeah, maybe even 30 years. And um, so I really wanted to be a fashion designer. And then I wanted to be an interior designer. And I used to like design kitchens and like front rooms and stuff. But then when I actually went to start the journey, I didn't realise you needed to be good at maths. So I was like, (laughs) yeah, scrap that. But I don't think I've ever wanted to be anything wild. Like, I literally wanted to be a fashion designer. I think that is probably the craziest thing. Mm. I always wanted to be a singer and a performer. From the moment I exited my mother's womb, 
that's all I wanted to do. Mm. I just wanted to perform. I just wanted to showcase my talent. I just wanted to sing in front of loads of people. And literally from the age of about two, three, I was like in my front room performing to all of my family and their friends. Mm. And I still do it to this day. It's so funny because we have like family mm-hmm. parties and they always make me sing every single time. And it's the same Selena song. And I'm like, you man, are you not tired? <laughs> That's really cute though. I used to want to be a ballerina, but then I quit when I was like nine. And then I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer, but then I quit when I was like 15. And then I wanted to make prosthetic limbs, but then I realised you had to be good at like physics and maths. And I was just like, I can't be asked. I know. I don't know. That's interesting though. The, the limbs one. Yeah, I know. I was just like, I woke up one day and I thought like this would be a really good like career to have. Like, why not? Like, it would be so cool. And then I realised like all the stuff that would come with it. And I was just like, I can't do it. I'm tired even thinking about it already. <laughs> yeah. How did you come to terms with things not working out how you thought they might when you were a child? We're both in therapy. So. Uh, yeah, we're currently in therapy. That's that's how that's going. I think as a kid as well, you don't realise how something is going to affect you. Um, and then when you like end up suppressing that, it does manifest subconsciously. And then as an adult now, you have to really make sure that you're undoing and unlearning all of these things that we've taken with us throughout our teen and young adult years, which is actually quite sad, but you don't know what's going on when you're that young. You don't know how to how to deal with it, I guess, or how to process it. When you're a kid, no one really teaches you about rejection. So you kind of have like a really positive perception of the world and like what you can do and what you can achieve. And like, you're kind of like, I don't know, there's, there's an innocence about you, obviously when you're a child, because you don't know any different. So you're like, I can do anything, I can conquer anything. And then you get mm. to adulthood and then you get rejected for your first job interview and you're like, whoa, that feels crap. Like, or maybe you don't get the grades that you were predicted and you're like, whoa, like no, we don't really prepare people for rejection. Like, and so... I don't think any of us really have the tools that you kind of just learn on the job. Um, So it was for me, it was like adulthood that I realised that, well, you don't actually get everything you want. And I realised that when I really wanted to be a journalist and it just wouldn't happen. And in my head, I was like, no, but I'm really good at this. Like, well, duh, it's inevitable. It should happen. And it just did not work out. Now I look back, I'm like, it wasn't meant to be. I was supposed to take this journey, which has now led me here. But you're not taught that as a kid. So you're kind of just like teaching yourself on the go. Um, But yeah, like... I think it's that thing you just realise that you take the journey that you're meant to take, basically. And just being okay with that and accepting it and just being like, yeah, everything can't be for you, you know. But I learned that in adulthood, so. I feel like I'm slowly starting to realise that now, but then it's just a bit like, it's just a bit annoying, isn't it? Because like you put so much pressure on what you, like, growing up and, like, adulting, I guess. And then when you realise that stuff isn't going how you planned at all, you sort of feel like you're losing, like, control over your own life as well at the same time 100 percent. okay so interviews now when you get asked those tricky questions like what are your strengths what are your weaknesses how do you answer those i think being prepared is very 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 important audrey you said something about you've got like a document of all possible interview questions do you know what i'll be so real with you yeah when i used to go to pa interviews i don't think i ever didn't get one job and i think it's because i mastered Yeah, no, like seriously, I mastered what to say for that particular role. 
And so with my weaknesses, I wouldn't say things that are going to be detrimental to the role. So for example, you don't go into a PA interview and say, oh, my weakness is that I'm really disorganised. That's not going to help. You kind of flip it on its head. So what I would say is, oh, you know, one of my weaknesses is the fact that I'm a bit too pedantic. I'm a bit too, um, you know, I'm a bit too organised sometimes. And it can mean that I, I don't do well with spontaneity because I'm always thinking about um, having a backup plan. So in a way, it's like a negative thing, but mm. at the same time, it's a positive in a way that it's going to benefit the role. So yeah. I would mm. say that to anybody. Think of a weakness that in um, at face value, it might, sound, it might sound bad, but actually when you unpack it and you get to the layers, actually it can be beneficial to that role. And that's always worked. And my strengths, I think you should do a mixture mm. of like your skill set and your personality. I think that like sometimes people go in and they're like, oh, well, I've got, you know, I'm amazing at Excel and Word and I can do this and I can do that. But sometimes they also want to know about your personality. So I would say, yeah, do a mixture. Just be like, I work great in teams. I work great with people. You know, I'm really good. Like I've got I don't know, great social skills, whatever. But at the same time, I bang on Word. I bang on Excel. I can do a fire PowerPoint. Like you can actually do like a mixture of everything. So those would be my tips. How do you navigate being like a quote unquote hustler and like having different types of jobs or like being involved in like different types of projects as well in a healthy way though? Because I feel like hustle culture sometimes can be really like toxic and just a bit too much as well. Maybe not take on as much if you know that you don't have the time, you know you don't have the mental space. It's better to have like a couple or a few things that you know you're able to give 100% to rather than seven, eight jobs that you know you can only give 50% to and then at the end of it you're going to feel overworked and tired. And once you do that, you're not going to be able to, you won't have anything more to give. So I think knowing your limit. Yeah, retweet, exactly. I agree. I feel like you don't have to say yes to everything I think you can be selective about jobs that you take and just do things that make sense for you like sometimes you know especially when you're working for yourself and opportunities come along and you're like oh my god I need you know you need the money and blah 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 so sometimes you find yourself just saying yes to everything and you're kind of spreading yourself thin and then in the end it kind of is detrimental because you're not putting out good content or you know you're kind of yeah you're just not what you're producing isn't good. So I, mm, I totally mm. agree. I just think just be selective, do things that make sense for you and your brand and things that you're not going to regret later on down the line. Like I don't want to do anything and be like, oh my God, that was cringe. So we had a few more questions that we wanted to ask from our social media reach out. So these are just going to be a few quick fire questions. So the first one, tips on moving house. If you can do this, I know that not everyone can do this but if you can take your time for one like you don't have to like do everything in one day when I moved house what I did was I got my key right and then I moved in slowly so I made sure that my dates from my old place and my new place were kind of like aligned so I still had that notice period time to slowly move things into my new place so by the time my move out date had come I was already moved in unpacked Wi-Fi was sorted, TV was set up, gas, electricity, everything was done. So by the time I moved in, it wasn't this big like rush of trying to get everything sorted after. So just be organised, basically. So if you can do that, like I would definitely recommend doing that 100%. Have you guys ever had like flatmates or like housemates or roommates like moved in with other people? That's one thing I regret in life, you know. I did. In uni, I lived with people. It was fun. Um, tips on managing bills. Don't spend the money that oh, you don't them. have. <laughs> yeah, literally. 
pay your bills. Mm. So basically, this is how I built my credit score, right? I took out a credit card and I would just use the credit card for my car, so like petrol, but I would have that money. So I would transfer it straight away. Mm. So don't be spending money that you don't have, especially if you're going to have a credit card. Know that you've got those piece. Yeah. Because the worst thing you can do is put yourself in such a huge amount of debt and then now you are inundated with all of these letters that they're going to come and take your things. (laughs) Pay your bills, man. Pay your bills. Tips on handling your weekly routine, like laundry, cleaning, cooking, and making sure that like you're like actually doing those things as well. I have a set day. So on a Friday... That's when I do all my chores because I don't want to do it on the weekend because my weekend, I do really want to have a lay in and wake up in a clean house and wake up with like in a clean environment. So I'll do all my laundry, everything on a Friday, give the place a good deep spring clean every single Friday. But I mean, if you're cleaning every day, doing the dishes every day and stuff like that, you shouldn't really have too much to do. But in terms of like a good spring clean, a good dust wipe down, I have a set day. So having a set day really helps. Or if you don't want to do everything in one day, you can have dedicate maybe an hour every day to making sure that your laundry's done and your house is clean. So maybe an hour a day. Yeah. And just having a checklist, whether that's like a board in the room or on your phone, but note down what it is that you have to do. And that way it doesn't feel so overwhelming yeah so we wanted to get to know you a little better and find out what you've learned about yourselves growing up mistakes you've made and the little wins that you've had along the way so we wanted to play a little game of never have i ever never have i ever stolen anything just stealing someone's man count oh (laughs) (laughs) i know um i don't know (laughs) no i'm joking never have i ever drunk dialed my ex oh god who hasn't and my ex has always seemed to drunk dial me too (laughs) i haven't i just dialed them i I wasn't even drunk (laughs) (laughs) never have i ever bribed someone there's no way you haven't not bribed catalea oh to be fair yeah 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 always bribe my child to be fair just to make her eat though i'm gonna sip because i definitely have (laughs) never have i ever been on a blind date so can we talk about blind dates so is a blind date you've never spoken to the person you don't even know like nothing not even what they look like you're just there you turn up at the specific time to go on a date with this person that's what i thought blind dates were but I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's it might be like friend of a friend and then he's like, or she's like, oh yeah, I know someone, like come. I still think that counts as a blind date. Yeah, personally. I feel yeah. like that. But I've never done that before. Never have I ever won the lottery. Oh, I have once. I won £10. Yeah, I've won like 250 quid. Oh, wow. £50. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, and I was like um, 20, so that was big money at the time. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. I'd love £250 right now. Ooh. Never have I ever gone 24 hours without showering. Yeah, I have done 24 hours. You see heartbreak. Heartbreak will make you not shower. Definitely. Yeah. I've definitely done that, can't lie. Never have I ever regretted an apology. Never have oh, I ever yeah, regretted an apology. Drink. I'm just going to drink my tea every time. Like, if you're drunk and you say sorry, and then you regret it the next day. I guess, or maybe, I don't know, like, I feel, I've definitely been pressured into apologising and then said sorry, and then I've been like... Later on, like, I'm not sorry. Like, why did I apologise for yeah. that in the first place? Yeah. Well, you didn't do it. But, yeah. You know, sometimes when you're like, yeah. actually not. Like, sometimes, you know, like, your points come to you after. So you've said sorry just yes. to, like, keep the peace. And then after you remember, like, no, actually, that was a violation. I'm not sorry. Yeah, bare times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bare times. I wish I could just, like, text back and be like, yeah, by the way, I'm not sorry. Like, I take it back. 
Yeah, I take, yeah, take that back. Never have I ever had sleep paralysis. Oh, sleep paralysis. I used to oh, suffer so God. badly with that. that it's the so scariest scary. thing yeah, ever. Song. It's so bad. Once I felt like there was like some like old woman like pressing down on my chest and I like woke up and I was just like, no, this can't be happening. And then it's weird because like in your head, your head is telling you try move or like do something. But then your body's mm. just like, no, stay and enjoy the pain. It's so scary. Do you know the only time I get sleep paralysis yet is when I'm sleeping in my dream. That's when it happens. Oh, uh, I hear you. So I think that's like another layer of, of like sleep. Like to be sleeping in your dream, like you're all the way gone. And that's when I have it. Yeah. I haven't had it in a long time, but it's the scariest thing ever. It is so bad. Well, I think that's all of our questions. Aww. Thank you for your time. This has been really, really fun. I've like literally favourite interview ever. Love talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on as well. We love you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for asking us like different questions because we always get asked the same thing. So this was, yeah, yeah, this was fun. How can we help? Each week we're looking at ways we can give back to ourselves and the community based on our episode topic. In this week's special about adulting, we spoke to Head of Young Adult Education, Nick Smith-Patel from MyBank, who answered some of your questions when it comes to managing our finances. So MyBank is a financial education charity and we train people from the age of seven all the way through to 25 years old about how to manage their money and, and make it go further, essentially. So young, young people are, are the, the fastest growing group of debtors in the country. They're, they're the people that need the, the most help and can afford to make the least mistakes as well. So we work with young people rather than say adults, because if you get it right when someone's young, then they get it right when they're old, um, rather than making lots of mistakes and trying to firefight it later down the line. Whether you need a credit card or not is debatable. First of all, I would say, let's start with that. It's a good idea to get a credit card if you're trying to build your credit score, for example, because using your credit and then paying it off bumps up your credit score. In terms of when to get one, I would always say it's about your personal situation. So there's no right age or no right earning figure for you to suddenly decide to have a credit card. It's more a case of can you afford to make repayments? Are you going to be sensible with the card? Are you trying to build credit? And there are different types of credit cards. So there are cards designed for people with low credit, cards designed for people who are trying to do balance transfers, all different types. It's really important that you, you do the research and find the one that's right for you. Unfortunately, there's no kind of one fits all answer for that one. So a credit, a credit score is essentially a record of how trustworthy you are to borrow to. If you think about me finding you on the street and seeing your lovely jacket and asking you to borrow your jacket, if you don't know who I am, you'd never give me the jacket, right? You need to have some proof that I'm going to bring it back on time and it's not going to be damaged. So that's essentially a credit score. It, it's tracking whether you've paid your bills on time. Uh, your mobile phone contract, for example, is the first thing that most young people will have that bears on their credit score. You miss a payment, goes on your credit score for six years. You, you make a payment on time, that also goes on your credit score for six years. The more decent payments you make, the better your score gets and the more people are willing to lend to you. The worse you do, the lower your score gets and the harder it will be to obtain credit or do other things that need credit in the future. So that's credit scoring in a nutshell. It's how good are you to pay things back. So the first thing to say about overdrafts, I guess, and, and how to make the most of them is Try not to use them. They are quite high percentage rates in terms of the costs you're paying. Most banks now charge 40% interest on, on even the arranged overdrafts that you, you know, you've got with the bank and they know about. So if you are going to use an overdraft and you really do need to use an overdraft, the, the biggest tip is pay it back as soon as you can in full. 
Um, and if you find that you're living in your overdraft and that every month you're going into it and then paying it back and then going back into it again, you might want to talk to the bank and see if there's any help on offer in terms of budgeting because that's a, it's an indication that you're struggling if you're always using your overdraft. So do keep an eye on that. One note is that a bank can withdraw an overdraft with 28 days notice. So if you've got a £500 overdraft and the bank's feeling like you're not, you know, you're too risky, you could have 28 days to pay that back at any point. So do think about whether you need an overdraft. It is borrowing um, and it can affect your credit score if not paid back. National insurance, it's a contribution that you make essentially. And the idea in this country is if you make that contribution for 35 years, you get the state pension when you retire in its full amount. It also goes towards things like NHS entitlement and stuff like that. In terms of when you start paying it, it's, it's a threshold. So I, I believe the figure is about £9,000-ish. Um, once you start making that much, they'll start taking an eye from your payslip. And the general way to think about national insurance or insurance in general is if I pay insurance to look after me when something goes wrong, national insurance is there for when my life goes a little bit wrong. So it helps with benefits, it helps with the NHS, that kind of stuff. It's a good way to think about it. If I had one piece of advice for young people about their money, it would be get in on things like pensions as soon as you can. It's one of those things that sounds really boring, right? You know, you get a job, you make, you know, you're making your money and you don't want to have to put into a pension fund at the age of 20. But the sooner you start that sort of pot, the more free money you end up with because of things like compound interest. So actually, yeah, if you can afford to put money in a pension pot or an investment pot or something like that, the sooner you start, the more returns you'll get on that. In this section, we get our guests to recommend a book that has helped to educate and inspire them on our episode topic. This week's books are... The book I would recommend would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it came at a point of my life where I needed it the most. I was suffering with anxiety, I was going through panic attacks, and I just needed something that would change my focus, help me and kind of teach me how to realign my mentality and this is what that book done for me. It kept me present in the moment, it kept me very very grounded, it taught me how to be appreciative literally of the now and how much we are in control of our thoughts and our lives. So yeah that's the book I would recommend. The book I would recommend is Keep the Receipts, written by me, Melena and Audrey. Um, I would recommend this book because I feel like it is basically the podcast in book form. So what it means is that it's not a self-help book or anything like that, but it just gives you like tips and tricks and stories and how to like maneuver life and it's something that I wish that I read when I was younger and I know I wrote it but I feel like I wrote it to a younger me and I think the girls did too so enjoy and here at the youth rising team we recommend things nobody tells you when you're growing up a book that every young person should read by Fiona Clark 12 separate topics from real friendship to managing worries This book answers the questions you wish you could ask. Join us again next week as we discuss sport and mental health. 
Remember to rate, review and follow Youth Rising wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out our socials at NCS on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat and YouTube. I'm Musi Mahmood and thank you to CJ for her help on this episode and of course to our guests Audrey, Milena and Nick. This was a Something Else production for NCS. For young people to know you can't into no, we can. Young voices, big issues. Join us as we explore the real power of youth rising. Youth rising. Youth rising. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS.